Good morning. Happy Wednesday. And welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, March 8th. And today we're reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in Bill's story on page 13, the first paragraph there. Today's readers are Mary H., Gina R., Sharon H., Penny C., Penny L.C., and Christine M. The reference number for today's 7 a.m. Vision for You meeting is 9695. That's for today's 7 a.m. meeting. And yesterday, March 7th, 10 a.m. meeting is 9693. So that's 9695 and 9693. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Penny Elsky to please read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Penny. Thank you, Amy, and thank you for your service. This is Penny, a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so with them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Well, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yes. Thank you, Penny Elsie. I will now ask for Christine M. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Christine. 
Yes, hello everyone. Good morning. This is Christine M. Gratefully Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse financial in the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige avert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and COA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for the opportunity to give service, and I pass. Thank you, Christine. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we do ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over here, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And please don't keep your phone on speaker because that tends to create an echo on the line. Thank you. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in Bill's story on page 13. And starting at the paragraph at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol. And our first reader today is Mary H. Take it away, Mary. Alrighty. This is Mary H., a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California. Okay, so at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There, I humbly offered myself to God, as I then understood him, to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. 
I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my new friend, my new found friend, take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. All right. So that's the paragraphs we're focusing on, and I'll turn my time around and share for just a few minutes. Um, I tried hard not to uh, think ahead too much because it doesn't really matter because when I speak, I always try to think uh, your words, my voice, and um, just let it flow from there. But what stood out to me was um, just kind of a funny thing. This sentence, treatment seemed wise for I showed signs of delirium tremens. It's like, you think so? Treatment seemed wise. I think so. <laughs> I couldn't imagine having delirium tremens. I haven't, I've certainly been very uncomfortable in my skin, but um, not to that extent. And I could not imagine how painful that really would be. And yeah, treatment would be wise. Um, therefore, so right here, I kind of see him, he's having his entire psychic change. He's taken the third step in the hospital, I mean, in this paragraph, because he's kind of showing us he went all the way through. But, um, you know, when I would read about what is that entire psychic change, what is everybody talking about? And um, for me, it, it's this part. It's it's now I'm I'm not in charge anymore. I'm turning myself inside out. I'm following direction from this higher power that I'm, willing to believe in and unreservedly under his care and direction. And for me, it's been a process. It wasn't sudden like it seems like it was for Bill. And I guess that's what we read in the spiritual experience. But um, I was willing and I made that decision that that was the only thing that was going to work. And that part I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I, that that was the turning point when I really looked at, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of being out on a trail and hiking and it's somewhere where I don't know where I am and um, I'm going to get lost if I don't have a map, if I don't have someone who knows where I am. And I try to, because I like hiking, I think of God as my guide. And he's like, okay, we're going to go up over here and, you know, take this pace and drink water now. And nope, nope, Mary, Mary, that's not, nope, over here. It's, you know, okay, fine, you go over there and uh, we'll just see what happens. And so I say that, you know, jokingly, but um, because my higher power does joke with me quite a bit. And I think that's all I have to say, and my time's up anyway, so perfect timing, and thank you so much for letting me read to you and uh, for sharing. I pass. Thank you so much, Mary H. So who would like to share on what was read? Gina R. Sally. Sylvia. Gina R. I I think I heard Paula. Is it Paula D.? Is that who I heard? You did it. Fallon. Okay, so Paula... Paula D, Gina R, Sylvia. Sharon. I've got Sharon H and Sylvia. I didn't get your last initial, Sylvia. I heard Sylvia in there, I thought. It was Sylvia. Thanks. Oh, Sylvia, last initial, please. F. F. Got it. All right, so I'll take one more, please. So you want to Oh, sorry. Everyone took it uh, once. Could you try that again? 
Nia S. I heard a Tina or a Gina. Nia S and Mary. M is in Mary. I A Nia. Oh, Mia. Okay, Mia. Mia, what's your last initial, please? S as in star. Okay. Okay, great. So we've got Gina R, Paula D, Sylvia F, Sharon H, and Nia S. Gina, go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Gina R, gratefully recovered in Colorado. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Great. Thank you for your service and everybody else's. I am going to focus on I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away root and branch. I have not had a drink since. What happened for me was I I had to come face to face that um, the appearance of my faith, and I, I do have a faith and belief system. Um, I happen to be of a Christian tradition. It was all about what was showing up in the branches. It was what was showing above the surface. It was the the nice face I was putting on things. It was the appearances that I put on. And I was not sufficiently aware of or willing to be, to have exposed the stuff that I was hiding away. And I'm looking at that as the roots. And the bottom line truth for me is that I had roots that were um, full of, and I'm going to use the words here, sins. I had the sin of gluttony. I had the sin of vanity. I had many of those seven deadly sins. And they were killing me. It was only when I got to the end of myself, um, and for me that day happened last May in 2016, where I had the awareness of being in what I am trusting was my last binge of gluttony. When I came to and put myself under the care and direction of my friend with a capital F, and that friend put in my path a guide who took me through this book in a way that I had never gone before, only then was I able to take those steps. And one of our fellows has lovingly outlined many, many times that that paragraph outlines steps one, two, three, four, six, and seven. When I did that, I was able to cut away, or God was able to cut away those roots, and now my branches are much more alive and demonstrating what God's will is for me and how I am to show up in this world and serve you and others. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Gina R. Paula D., go ahead, please. Star one to unmute, Paula. Paula, are you okay. there? Here I am. Here I am, Amy. Okay. <laughs> First, thank you. Thank you for direction. Seems I need a lot of directions as Bill. 
And uh, this would be Paula D. currently in Florida, recovered by and with the grace of God. You know, this does not sound like Bill as we read the second paragraph. I humbly, oof, look at the transformations. I'll show you the word. Humbly. And there it is. I placed myself unreservedly, no reservations. I admitted, wow, for the first time that I myself was nothing. Bill? No, not Bill. Paula. I can see each and every time that without him I was lost. But I want to show you this is where I want to camp out for. I became willing to have my newfound friend. New means not known before. Not known before to the level. Now it says found. Remember he said he was lost? You see? Found. And he uses the word friend. One has who has a bond of, now this is the word, mutual affection. Both ways. He knew something different. What happened in that nanosecond? I know God. And God knows me. <sighs> want to talk about a transformation? Talk all you want, but this man lived it. And so can you. It's available. Take them away. And he said, they're willing to take them away, root and branch. I held on to them. I held on to them. It says root and branch. You know how deep the root goes? Can I tell you true surrender? When one is born, one's hands are clenched. When one leaves this earth, one's hand opens. That is total surrender. Root and branch. Now, how do we know all this came to pass? More than words. I have not had a drink since. There it is. The beginning started with humble and ended with, I have not had a drink since. Be a total transformation. With that, I can pass. Thank you so much, Paula. Sylvia F., your turn. Good morning, Amy, and good morning, visionaries. So glad to be on the line with you today. This is Sylvia F. in um, Northern California. And I, I love this meeting. I love being hearing what you all have to say. What I want, what this reminded me of is, you know, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium, delirium tremens. And, you know, the thing is, is when I came in, I felt so bad physically, but I didn't, I wasn't even hardly aware of it. I just felt bad. I mean, on every level, I felt bad. And yeah, I was in a huge body but I didn't look healthy, I couldn't move well, and I couldn't stop eating. And so here, you know, we're told that we have to get abstinent in order for these other things to happen. And how on earth do we do that? Because we, I came in because I couldn't stop eating, right? I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop from morning to night. And the only time I could stop is when I was sleeping. I was not a nighttime eater, but that was it. And... Um, so how do we stop? And so, you know, that's that desperation moment where I feel so bad that I am willing, I'm desperate and I'm willing to put the food down. And then I have to 
surrender to God and say, okay, I give up. I don't have to know what that means. I don't have to understand any of it. I just have to say, uncle, I'm done. And then, you know, I think that we forget that as excited, you know, that we that most of us feel terrible when we give up the food. When I gave up carbohydrates and sugar, I was headaches and I was um I was irritated, I was exhausted. Um I you know, I had a hangover. I had a hangover for a long time. And so, how do we stay abstinent when we feel terrible? And the thing is is I ha- I had hope. That's what kept me abstinent. It's like, okay, these people have something that I want, and I think it's possible, but I have to put the food down. I have to keep it down while I offer myself to God and follow these directions. And so, you know, it's not easy. And that's why we try and work through the steps so quickly. It is not easy putting the food down, keeping it down. But the physical, which is what they're talking about, the physical withdrawal, you know, we don't talk about it that much, but it is so real. It was so real for me, um, uh, and especially, you know, headaches. I had terrible headaches, um, and just out of sorts with the world, uh, exhausted. But I had hope, and I was willing to do it. And I would not like to go through that again. And um, if I work this program every day, I don't have to. And so, if you're on the line and you ha- and you're having trouble getting accident. You know, this is this is the deal. You got to be desperate. You got to want to put the plug in the jug, because the recovery is worth it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Sharon H, your turn. Thank you, Amy. This is Sharon H in Colorado. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater by God's grace. I'll take myself off speaker. Thank you. Sharon, I can't hear you. You're like down a tunnel. He repl- Can you hear me now? Yep, there you are. Oh, okay. All right. I forget. I got to have it up to my ear when I'm having a speaker. <laughs> okay. So he he placed himself unreservedly under his care and direction, and that was his newfound friend, God, as he then understood him. And um, you know, my sponsor makes me look up words. So unreservedly means not limited or partial, and for many years, I tried to do this, um, you know, limited and partial, still trying to do it my own way. And and then he realized for the first time in his life, he was no longer lost and ruthlessly uh, went about this uh, inventory. We must take and see ourselves as we truly are, not the facade I live by. And ruthlessly is having no pity. And for me, that was, uh, you know, the self-centered pity that was rooted in the pride and the anger and the selfishness and the self-centeredness. All the things that we must look at ourselves from a different angle in step four. And, um, and then, you know, it just amazes me that um, this happened in such a sudden way for him. It really it wasn't sudden. I mean, look how many years he he was under the slavery to uh, alcohol and all of its devastating consequences. But at that point, he was totally a new man, a new creation under this uh, God as he understood him, his newfound friend. 
And uh, so I'm just so grateful um, that we can just, uh, you know, dive into a paragraph like this and see so many things that I I didn't see for so many years. I just kind of read through this, but I never did take the time to really study it and really ask God to show me what I needed to see in each paragraph as he continued to do his work in and through me as a result of my willing to uh, follow these simple uh, toolkit, spiritual toolkit steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sharon H. Uh, Mia S., you are up. Hi, this is Mia, and I'm recovering from compulsive overeating. And I love how um, he says, I was separated. And he didn't say, I separated myself. He said, I was separated. Um, It was a power greater than himself. And I just, I love that. And I always keep that in mind um, in my recovery. And um, then I was thinking also about the, you know, ruthlessly looking at his sins and how, um, you know, feelings, for me, feelings of, oh, my God, that's just too bad. That can't be, you know, forgiven or that can't be healed or I don't want that revealed. Um, And I always continue to feel my higher power's love um, and telling me that, you know, we've all been through things and we've all, you know, had shortcomings and, it's okay and there's nothing there's nothing too dark or there's nothing too far down for um the light of god to reach and the love of god to heal and that's been very helpful for me um and sometimes people say you know like how did you get abstinent how did you how'd you do it and i'm like it was my higher power i didn't do it um I definitely reached a place where it suddenly dawned on me, oh, this is this is an addiction. Oh, you know, and then I knew about OA somehow and, you know, realized, okay, it's an addiction. How do you treat the addiction? And um, I just, I'm just so grateful I was on a spiritual path before coming into recovery, but it never uh, helped me to stop the compulsivity, it didn't take away the compulsivity and the obsession of the mind. So something about what this program is about um, has really opened up my spirituality and I can apply that back to these other, you know, paths and everything just works together now. And the only thing I need to do today is to turn to my higher power and listen to my higher power's guidance. And um, I really feel like higher power, of course, comes through the big book and comes through people's comments. And when I reach out and talk with other recovering compulsive overeaters or bring the message to suffering compulsive overeaters, um, that higher power is, is coming through and healing is happening. So I'm really grateful to be here this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing, Mia S. And now just a quick word from our sponsors. 
Drum roll, please. We have an awesome Vision for You, second Vision for You convention coming up in New Jersey, September 15th through the 17th at the Marriott Newark Airport International Hotel. I'm mixing up the name, I think. I beg your pardon. But all the information is on our website to register for the convention as well as the hotels that are available for room should you need them. All you need to do is go to www.avision4u, that's the number four, avision4u.info, and there you will find all the um, information that you need for the convention as well as contact numbers. So we look forward to seeing you there. Spread the word. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program. Let's take some more shares on what was read on page 13. Who would like to share? Judy P. Judy O. Judy P. Kathleen O. I'm going to put myself in there. Who else? Stephanie N. Stephanie N. Okay. Anybody else? Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Okay. Anyone else? Talon. I'm sorry, what was that name? Talon D. Talon with a K? Talon with a T. Talon B. Okay, well, let's go with this group. So we have Judy P., Kathleen O., Amy G., Stephanie N., Sherry K. B., and Gallon B. All right, Judy P. Hi, good morning. Uh, Judy P. from Central New Jersey, grateful, compulsive overeater. First time sharing on this 10 a.m. meeting. Actually, only my second time sharing on a vision for you. So I get a little Welcome. Nervous. Welcome. Thank you. But I've been, and I could dial into this live. But this passage um, I had to share on because it brought me right back, you know, where he says, therefore, I humbly offered myself to God. And I distinctly remember when I did. And uh, it was in my first recovery, um, and it was so powerful. I had been dilly-dallying around this God thing, and I did come into the program a total non-believer. I was the opposite of a believer. I made fun of people who believed. I just thought they were weak. Aha. I was raised Jewish. Not raised Jewish. There was no religion in my house. And uh, for me, it was important in my spiritual journey that I found a religion um, because I felt it was the direction that God was guiding me in. And so I went to temples, I went to churches, I went all over. And I did decide on a religion. I did wind up converting. But I remember that day in a Kmart parking lot at lunchtime from work, and I surrendered my life to God there. And it was so powerful. And I remember right after I did that, one of those trucks drove by, you know, with the visors, and it said, God loves you. I never forgot that moment. But I will also tell you, as strong as my spiritual awakening was, was not enough to keep me in recovery. I thought that was it. I didn't realize that was just the beginning of my spiritual journey. I thought, what more is there? Little did I know, I did not work steps 10 to 11, but I loved step 12. I was step 12 all over the place, but because I didn't work steps 10 and 11, I got bored with step 12. And um, I'll tell you, 
for me, one of the hindrances of a physical recovery is the physical recovery. I had a huge one um, where I lost about 140 or 150 pounds. And by the miracle of God, he's removed that weight from my body again. But, you know, losing all that weight brought on so many other defects. You know, I felt good. I thought I looked good. I mean, it was hard to fit my head through the door, no longer my body. But, um, you know, really grateful. He's blessed me with a little bit over four years now. And I knew this recovery had to be different. And um, very grateful. And thank you so much. I did remember to set my timer, and I will pass. Thank you, Judy. All right, Kathleen O, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Kathleen O, recovered in California. And as was, <clears throat> excuse me, as was mentioned, this is this paragraph has all of the steps one, two, three, four, six, and seven. And in listening to vision for several years now, my understanding is that um, Bill was in. Bill had been going to the Oxford group meetings with Ebby for a couple of weeks and still showed up with a bottle in front of Dr. Silkworth. And uh, so and he had the DTs and so he stopped drinking and he's in the hospital and, and he takes these steps. And I, I think of this, there I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. This is the sentence that I call the I am done sentence. Um, you know, I was so desperate and and it was desperate and doomed. And, and I was bowing down to the food. You know, I had a hole that I was trying to fill with food and I was miserable and I couldn't fill it up. I couldn't keep it filled up. And all it did was make me weigh over 200 pounds and be miserable. And so when I came to learn about these steps, it's like, okay, I have a choice. I can, you know, bow down to the food or I can bow down to the God of my understanding. And, and the sentence, uh, I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. And then he, hasn't, he didn't have a drink after that. If I place myself under unreservedly under the care and direction of my higher power, my conception of God, not anybody else's, but my conception of God. And I have the courage to move forward with these actions, and which are the rest of the steps that I won't eat. How could I pass that up? That's like someone giving me a key and saying, you know, I know you don't know what's behind this door, but if you, if you put the key in, in and open the door, your life is going to change. You are not going to want to pick up food anymore and you're not going to be miserable anymore. I mean, why wouldn't I do it if I trusted that, that, that person? Why wouldn't I do it? Um, so it's really, it really is about just being, having the courage to move forward and take these actions. And it's such a gift to get to the place of no longer fighting anyone or anything, including the food. And just really being rocketed into that fourth dimension. Um, don't pass it up. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. I'm going to jump in here. My name is Amy G. I am recovered compulsive 
um, overeater from Maryland. And, uh, you know, I'd like to focus this, you know, this first two sentences, this little paragraph is, is small, but I feel it's, in my humble opinion, it's, it's significant because it says treatment seemed wise. And my thought to this is maybe we think it doesn't apply to us, but I think it absolutely does. I mean, why did he need to go to treatment? Because he needed to be separated from the alcohol. He needed to be away and separated as I needed to be from my binge foods and my binge ingredients. The big book calls earlier for entire abstinence. I cannot work this program while I'm binging my brains out and ingesting my allergic substances and triggering my mental obsession, well, actually mental obsession before the allergy. I I cannot work this program while my mental obsession is active and certainly not while my allergic substances were in my body. So he needed to be separated because he was suffering from delirium tremens. He was suffering from the physical as well as the mental aspects of this disease. So for me, this is tremendously significant because before I can be even to embark on this program, I need to be able to have a line in the sand, understand what my abstinence is, and be free from those allergic substances in my food plant so that I can get the fog cleared so I can go about the business of the transformation that is occurring in the second paragraph, you know, to be willing to work this program. And to me, that's tremendously significant. And then we go down, as others had said, I ruthlessly was willing to face, he was, Bill was ruthlessly willing to face himself. That's what this program is about, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. I needed to surrender to a power greater than myself and be willing to work these steps so that I could change how I thought and how I reacted to life because my way of thinking was killing me. The mental obsession had warped my thinking. As a matter of fact, my mind was a liability. It brought me back to the food time and time again with with unreasonable, insane ideas or no ideas at all. And I needed to understand. And so here he humbly admits his powerlessness. Bill is saying, I am powerless of myself. I cannot win against this disease. I am powerless and I need help. And they say in these rooms, you know, power, we are powerless, but we're not hopeless. I mean, if we read that last sentence, I have not had a drink since. I mean, isn't that incredible? I mean, I don't know about you all, but when I read that sentence as a newcomer, to think about not putting another binge food in my mouth again, you know, ever again, is that actually possible? And this big book is saying over and over again, if you're willing to be ruthless about working this program like your life depends upon it, relapse does not have to be a part of your plan. It can be recovered. We can be recovered. We can be rendered sane when it comes to food if we are willing to ruthlessly look at our issues through these 12 steps. And that is the hope that this program brings us. We don't have to binge again because we have, a, we have a system that works here. It absolutely does work, but we have to be willing. And the whole God concept thing, I mean, I always take newcomers back to the Vision for You chapter where it says here on page 163, we know what you are thinking. You are saying to yourself, I'm jittery, I'm alone, I can't do that. But you can. You forget you have now just tapped a source of power greater than yourself. To duplicate with such backing what we have accomplished is only only a matter of willingness, patience, and labor. That's all I needed. 
was complete willingness to admit my powerlessness and be willing. So therefore, powerless, not hopeless. This is an incredibly powerful two paragraphs. Thanks for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. So Stephanie N., you are up. Okay, this is Stephanie N., recovered in Kansas. Um, these paragraphs just explain to me why I kept picking up the first few months that I was in program. Um, that was really the alcoholic torture for me. I wanted to lay the food down, and and I was just completely confounded by my lack of power. I thought that I was doing the steps. I thought I was doing everything right, but I had not surrendered my will. And... Um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I realized after I was abstinent, after I was really um, had worked the steps that God had given me free will and I could either choose to accept it or not. And in the beginning, I was not accepting it. I was still in my will, my self-will run riot, and I, I was not accepting that help. But when I finally was willing to accept that grace and that help, um, Miracles really did happen, and I'm just so grateful for that willingness, and I'm so grateful for the recovery um, and in that power um, that I've been able to tap into. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much for your servicing. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Sherry KB. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your service, Amy. Um, Very grateful to be here, Sherry. Northern California recovered one day at a time. Um, these are very powerful paragraphs here. Um, the fact that Bill was separated from his alcohol for the very last time. And um, I pray to God one day at a time that I have been separated from my alcoholic foods one day at a time. Um, it says he showed delirium tremens. And, um, you know, those are the shakes and uh, pretty violent um I have a a big book here, um, dictionary, and I love looking up the words. Um, and it just it talks about you know really going through delirium tremens. I don't know if you ever saw the Lost Weekend with Ray Milland in 1934 movie. It was like no 1945, and um, it shows the whole you know impact of alcoholism. And you know I didn't go through delirium tremens, but I did have um, headaches and um, uh, felt sick to my stomach a lot when I was uh, withdrawing from my alcoholic foods, and um, I, I do remember that uh, very much, and I hope I never forget it. Um, also, on this next line, um, you know, this is step three. I humbly offered myself to God, um, and then it goes through with, with this care and direction. I admitted for the first time for myself that I was nothing without Him, and um, and then it says, I found a newfound friend. And friend is um, capitalized, which means uh, higher power, a new understanding. And then his new friend took it away, root and branch, which is step four. Um, and he hadn't had a drink since. Um, what I love is says that I'm nothing without him. I really had to hit a bottom to realize that I cannot do this program. I cannot stay abstinent without my higher power. Um, I ran the Sherry show way too long, and uh, I never was able to stay abstinent a day without relying on a power greater than myself. Um, I can't stay abstinent unless I'm in this book, uh, working the steps, um, living in steps 10, 11, and 12. 
taking people through the big book, um, reading this big book day in, day out, because what I did yesterday doesn't count today um, for me. And um, I just, I'm just so grateful because there's a little history here, too, that this was, from what I understand, this is December 11th, 1934, that Bill checks him into the hospital. And by 19, excuse me, by December 13th, two days later, he is starting to um, start to have a spiritual awakening. And I think there's something to that. I've been told that, you know, we can't go through this book if we're, if we're in, in our disease, if we're not abstinent. And so I know that when something happens, when someone's using the food, I'll ask them to, to call me in two days, um, and then we can get back into the book. And there's, I guess that's where this comes from, because this was passed on down to me, and, and I just am doing the same. And um, I'm just very grateful, because this whole paragraph right here is so powerful, because without it, I wouldn't be here today talking to you on the line. Um, and that, that really moves me, because this was a movement that changed so many people's lives. And I'll always be grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous with that I pass. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you. Gallon B, go ahead. You're up. Hi, this is Talon D. It's Talon with a T as in Tom. And um, so I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, Step three, these first two lines in the second paragraph. There I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood with understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. And I've just been thinking about what it means to unreservedly place myself under his care and direction. And someone shared this earlier, but I looked up the word unreservedly. It means without reservation, not restricted fully, entirely, and deliberately. And um, I was thinking about when I take Step three, what it means is I'm basically denying myself and my own self-will that I've lived off of all my life and turning to God instead and doing what he wills for me. And I always thought this step was so, I I don't know what I thought it was, (laughs) but I didn't think it would be this hard. And I'm realizing it's this hard because it me it's brutal because I have to deny myself and my desires. And what I want is to be comfortable and to not have to do any work and to, um, you know, eat whatever I want and get results that I want. And that's the opposite of what God calls me to do. What my higher power will for me is, um, because, uh, God can see the whole picture and he knows what's best for me and what I need and I don't. So when I take step three, it means that I'm trusting that God's will is what's best for me. And um, I think this is, I think of this like as an exercise. Um, It's not easy in the beginning. Like when you start a new exercise, you're all out of shape and it's, it's hard and you don't want to continue. But as you keep practicing, um, you start to build muscle and endurance and you continue to maintain and it becomes easier. And I think it's the same with my will and God's will. They start to align and it gets easier, but it's still something I have to practice every day um, in order to um, experience 
what he has for me. And I know what my higher power has for me is good and it's recovery and it's to be useful to others. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Talon T. And now we are open for a few more minutes of sharing. Got about maybe two or two, maybe three, two shares maybe. Would someone like to chime in, please? Uh, Wendy M. Wendy M. One more, maybe? One or two, maybe? Well, John K., if you've got nobody else. John K., love to have you on here. Anybody else? We'll go with Reggie O. Reggie O. Okay, great. We'll try with these three. Okay. Wendy M., please go ahead. Hi, yes. Good morning. It's Wendy M., recovered in Colorado. Thank you, Amy, for your service and everybody on the line. Um, So I want to say just a couple of things. And one is that when I got entirely abstinent, I did have an entire psychic change. Um, And I felt a freedom that I'd never felt before. Um, And I want to say that for myself, it's easier to be with God, to unreservedly be under his care, turn my life and my will over to the care of God, than it is for me to run the show. Mm-hmm. It's so much more tiring, exhausting uh, to be in the bondage of myself than to be unreservedly under God's care. Um, and I say the same thing with the food. It's easier to be entirely abstinent than it is to be in the food. It's the same thing. When I'm in Wendy's will, it's a struggle. I am struggling and fighting everything and everyone, including myself, my family. Um, it's, it's a fight. It's exhausting. Um, and it leaves me in bondage. And the same with the food. I'm either in bondage to the food or I am completely and entirely abstinent. And for those of you on the line that are struggling, I can tell you that if I got abstinent, you can get abstinent. It's actually a super easy thing to do, uh, to be entirely abstinent. And again, the freedom that you have um, when in the care of God is unbelievable. And I'll pass with that. Thanks so much. Thank you, Wendy. Tom K., you are up. Good morning. I'm John Kearney, compulsive overeater from Los Angeles. John, I'm sorry. I know it was John. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I get it wrong? No, um, no, you were right. You were right. It was I who was wrong. I beg your pardon. Please go ahead. Not, oh, I, I, yeah, because I, I always try and hit it just as you're saying it because it takes a second to kick in. <laughs> anyway, I'm John Compulsive over here from Los mm-hmm. Angeles. I'll just sort of make this a quick thing. Is The two things that I think when I was first getting, because I got sober first and, and first dealt with my, my, my alcoholism, but I remember really trying to, at that point, you, you know, contact a higher power because I was so desperate and I did really get a feeling of a higher power but I remember also feeling that my higher power was saying hey don't think I'm going to do this all myself 
uh, yourself, you know, that I'm going to do it, you're going to do a lot of it, you're going to meet me more than halfway, and you're going to have to be a big part of this. I'll be there to help you and to guide you and to give you the strength, but you got to do the work. Cause I, and I think when I, it's just it's always been a feeling inside of me that um, uh, uh, I think my disease wants to say, don't worry, God will take care of it, just pray and it'll happen. And my real higher power says, hey, this things you've got to do, like putting down the food. And, you know, I love the fact, and it gets lost a lot of times here, and I think part of it is, is Bill's desire to be inspirational. You know, here's the scene with Ebby, and the next thing he's talking about being sober, uh, or very quickly. But, you know, the little thing at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol the last time, meaning even all of Ebby's stuff didn't keep him from drinking a little bit more before he ended up in the <clears throat> hospital in December. And... Part of that, and, and the great thing about that is, is it points out, I have to be, as was said by some other people here, I have to be separated from my my substance before the real recovery can kick in. And, and I I watch a lot of times in program people trying to soft soap it, you know, and I think in a lot of ways you're appealing to people's diseases rather than telling it honestly. I mean, when I was first getting, uh, when I was getting abstinent after my long, long relapse, I had my guy who became my sponsor say, hey, you know what? The first 30 days may really suck. And I laughed because it was the first sponsor who said something that, that was, to me, real world. And you know what? The first 30 days didn't all suck, but some of them did. And when they did, I said, oh, okay, I'm right on schedule. And when they didn't, I felt like I was ahead of the game. The point being, it's so clear here as far as I'm concerned that it has to start with the food, and it's okay for people to know it's tough. This is a withdrawal for a lot of us. You know, this is a chemical withdrawal, and it's not going to be easy. But then the absolute future, the future is absolutely unlimited, but it it requires that. And, again, I think it's so important that that little tiny sentence of only three lines, at the hospital I was separated from alcohol for the last time, meaning, hey, all that great talk Abby gave me still didn't stop me from drinking a little bit more. But finally, getting it out of my system, I could then turn around and move on and really find recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, John. Reggie, oh, we got about a minute or two. If you'd like to go ahead, please. Hi, good morning. This is Reggie O in uh, the Los Angeles area. And, uh, yeah, a couple of things stand out for me. Again, what a couple of other people have said. Uh, you know, at the, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. And um, I was separated from alcohol, and it was after he was separated from alcohol uh, for probably, I don't know how long it took, how long they did, you know, the treatment, Belladonna and whatever else they were doing at that time. But it was, you know, it was a couple of days, and uh, and it was then that he humbly offered himself to God. He had heard, he had heard the, uh, he had heard Ebby, and Ebby, and he had had some, he had thought of, he had thought a lot, and he had looked at his past experience with God, and a lot of things came to him, and he was able to see the, you know, the incredible change in Ebby, but that didn't stop him from drinking until he was separated uh, from alcohol, and then, and then he offered himself, humbly offered himself to God, and was able to do the rest of the work, and, uh, you know, I think that's, I mean, I just, I, I experienced that as true. And, and, you know, I think everybody on the line who is recovering has recovered here would say that that's true because we're, my, I'm, I'm, uh, my, my thinking is not in right. My thinking is not right when I am under the influence of alcoholic food or that significant, you know, time after when I, when I put it down. So 
the just clearing my mind so that I can actually feel and connect and understand what he's doing here. The other thing that stood out for me was uh, I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. And it reminds me of, you know, just the page before we were reading, you know, it was only then, you know, it was only a matter of being really willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required to make my beginning. And, you know, my experience has been that, yeah, I, you know, a power greater than myself is I am willing to turn my life and my will over to that power because, uh, and I, I went back, I had read this, I think, many times, and not not recently, but some time ago, I admitted for the first time that of myself, I was nothing uh, without him, without God. I was lost. And to, you know, to realize that I, you know, that I have, in some respects, no real power without my God because, you know, God is my power. God is the power to, you know, that that does reside within me as the big book tells us later on. But it's there, but that I was nothing but to unreservedly place my care, myself under his care and direction as I, as I then or as I now understand God. But that continues to grow. And, you know, it continues to grow. My, my understanding of God continues to grow and has since the, you know, since the day I came into uh, OA many, many years ago. And um, I guess it's like any relationship, but with this newfound friend, this higher-powered friend, it's, you know, it's an amazing growth. Uh, it's an amazing growth pattern, and I have not had a drink since. I have not had a drink since, you know, which, you know, speaks not fully in this paragraph, but that it is a way of life, you know. I uh, I, I don't drink as long as I'm doing, or I don't eat compulsively as long as I'm working this. And on a, on a regular basis, it does become a way of life. And um, and it need, it need, not only does it need to be, but it becomes a, a really joyful way. So um, with that, I'll pass. Great. Thank you so much, Regio. And on that note, I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Gina R., would you please go ahead and read a vision for you? Thank you, Amy. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answer will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.